Well, good morning. I want to add my welcome to those of you who are new here today. I met some new folks earlier today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're delighted if you're joining us here for the first time, whether you're in person or online. Uh, what we're all about here is really simple. It's about connecting, connecting people to God, connecting people to each other. So together we can engage our world for good. We hope you experience a little bit of all those things here this morning. Before we jump into what we're talking about here, the second week of this Hungry for God series, we have a little family business to sort of take care of. Uh, for those of you who are new here, you might not know that one of the things that really marks our church community is it's a really generous community. Generous in serving and giving of time and effort and energies and also financially. And so every so often we do a financial update. So I'm going to do a quick financial update because our fiscal year runs uh, July 1 to June 30. So we're kind of in the home stretch of our fiscal year. So a quick financial update, kind of where things stand uh, going into the home stretch of the year. Our, our total budget uh, for the year is $1,165,945. If you, we, uh, we do the, kind of a monthly uh, budget, but it doesn't quite work out that way. Year-end giving is so important that basically uh, you divide that by 13. So we get a double December plus a normal month, and that's about $90,000 a month plus a $180,000 December gets you to that total budget amount that we need to get to. Okay, so here's kind of a, a quick overview of where we've been this fiscal year and what giving's been like as we kind of head to the home stretch over the last, so starting in July, there's our giving for, uh, for July. You can see it's up 9% from July 2022. August, look at y'all. Everyone's on vacation. You're giving. Crazy. Way to go. Give yourselves a hand. Nice job on that. Uh, 44% from uh, August 2022. Uh, September uh, is up 13% from September 2022, October. October, we've, we've done some research. It's actually our lowest attended month of the whole year. Isn't that weird? I think it's because a bunch of uh, kids' activities, kids' sports, and then if you're retired, it's a great time to go on vacation, right? Because all those annoying kids are not there on the beach. So it's, like, so it, it, it's a lowest attended month, and it's also one of our lowest giving months. Uh, November was crazy uh, this past year. It was crazier last year, but it was a tremendously wonderful year. And then December giving was uh, fantastic, uh, 211320 which was up 70% from a year before, which was Really, really great. And then this past January, uh, 77, 187 went down a little bit from last year. So you can see a lot of uh, giving that's gone up from the year before. You can also see that we're still a little bit low from our 90K a month on the whole that we need to make in order to sort of hit budget. So we're just lightly ringing the bell. Like, this is where we things stand. And we're not stressed about this. We're not anxious about it. We're just letting everyone know kind of here's where things stand as we head into the home stretch of the year. And we always make adjustments. We always end the year in the black. And we'll make adjustments along the way if and as we need to. But we want to let folks know what's going on. Now, we've also run some, uh, some, some attendance numbers for the last couple years. And I want to give you an update on that because it's really, really fun to see what God's been doing. So this, the attendance numbers include both, uh, both services here. It's kids, it's adults, everything. And the, uh, the campus down in Pittsburgh. And here's kind of what God's been doing since since 2022. So 2022, we averaged uh, 358 for the first six weeks of the year. Okay, so that's 2022. 2023, 474 uh, up a uh, significant amount. And then 2024, this year, the first six weeks, we've been up to 580. So this is what's been happening over the last three years. This has been amazing. Like, God's doing amazing stuff. We have more people connected to Chatham Community Church than ever before. Uh, God's doing so many great things. We're seeing uh, lives changed. We're seeing marriages healed. We're seeing, uh, we had baptized 10 people here a couple weeks ago. Nine here and one down in Pittsburgh. Uh, amazing things happening. People getting connected and serving. It's been a tremendously wonderful stretch here at Chatham Community Church. And along with that growth, there's also some challenges. And one of the challenges is this. We're a little swamped. Like our staff team is a little swamped. Uh, we got a lot going on. We, we have got, uh, like, all of us have seen, like, email traffic. Uh, there's been a number of challenging situations, people in heartache and hard situations. It just happens as things grow. And so I was doing some research because all of us in the last month have been like, oh, my gosh, we just feel, like, just 
like overrun with more stuff to do and, uh, and more things to sort of uh, respond to. So I did, some, I did some like some investigation on what is a normal sort of attendee to staff ratio, right? In churches nationwide, what's a normal attendee to staff ratio? And the normal uh, like average across the country is about 50 to 1. That's average. We, we, we don't want to be bloated. We don't be overstaffed. We'd rather be a little bit lean and understaffed. So a really good staff ratio uh, is about 60 to 1, right? It's the top 25% of all churches. If we had a 60 to 1 staff ratio, we'd be in the top 25% in terms of leanness of staff, okay? So that would be a great thing to hit. So uh, average is 50 to 1, uh, top 25% is 60 to 1. Right now, our staff to attendee ratio is 80 to 1. Like, oh, that's why we feel swamped. It's <laughs> a lot going on. So first thing, if we're a little slower on emails, if you're trying to get together with us and we're having to schedule something two or three weeks out, sorry, please be patient with us. <laughs> like, we're just sort of a little bit backed up. And the other thing is that we're starting to talk about, well, what would we do staffing-wise, right? Like uh, administration and other things. What are some things that we would want to do over the next six to nine months to help us sort of meet some of the increased demand and, and the great things and opportunities God's doing? And we talked a lot about staffing and what we might do and all that's still kind of in draft form. But, but the reality is this. Where we are giving-wise and funding-wise, we aren't ready to hire any more staff. So as we sort of do the financial update here in February, we're heading to the home stretch in the spring, Again, we're slightly ringing, lightly ringing the bell. If and as you're able, we're going to invite you to give and give generously to the church. If, you're not, if that's not a part of your regular kind of giving pattern, if you don't have a commitment with us monthly or quarterly or any kind of pattern, I invite you to sort of step into that if this is your church home. And uh, if it's not your church home, if you just start to come in like Christmas Eve or whatever, we're just so glad that you're here. Uh, no pressure at all. But we do want to invite y'all to help us to sort of meet the need. Now, here's what's happened. Every time we've rung this bell, this community's responded. I mean, we're in this building because of the generosity of so many people who just gave and gave and gave to make this possible a couple years ago. And so we're going to invite you. We continue to trust the Lord. He is so faithful and so good to us. And we're going to invite you to help us to be a part of meeting the opportunities. Listen, listen. Chatham Community Church is growing. Chatham County is growing. There are, there are so many great things ahead. And we're so encouraged by what God's doing here at our midst. And we invite all of us to sort of be a part of praying and giving to see what God might do in the weeks and months ahead. Thus endeth the family business meeting. Okay, that's it. This is week two of our Hungry for God series. Now, if you're just joining us, we're so glad you're here. Uh, last week, I told a story about my kid. When she was three years old, she only wanted to eat four things. Cheerios, goldfish, raisins, and craisins. I don't know how she survived the whole year long. Somehow she made it through. And fortunately, by God's grace and my wife's infinite patience, because I don't have infinite patience, I have a little bit of patience, she, she developed a hunger for more and more things, which is very, very good. So now, 13 years later, she is in super competitive gymnastics. She's in the gym four or five days a week for three hours at a time. Thank goodness she eats something more than Cheerios, raisins, craisins, goldfish. She could not be in the gym longer than five minutes without crashing. But that's all that she ate. Here's the proposal for this whole series. You and I are born with a very narrow range of appetites. And if we had our druthers, if it was just up to us, we would just subsist over these things over and over and over again. And your natural appetites are somewhere on this list. It sounds something like approval or respect, success, control, comfort, pleasure, safety, keep me and my people safe, security, right, and independence. These are the things, like listen, if you could pick three of these things and have them every single day guaranteed, wouldn't you be happy? Wouldn't that be great? If you could pick three of these and every single, every single day you, you know you'd experience all three of them, most of us would feel pretty great. That's pretty fantastic. But here's the deal. Here's what I want to propose to you. These are your Cheerios, Raisins, Craisins, and Goldfish. Because what happens is life happens. 
marriage struggles, medical challenges, job challenges, career struggles, your kids go off the rails. And suddenly what you find is what you've been feeding off of, what you've been hungering for, living for, cannot sustain you through the most challenging times. These are good things. They're just not ultimate things. And anytime you try to take a good thing and make it an ultimate thing, it eventually results in disastrous things and makes us lesser things, lesser people, lesser than how God wired us to be, wired us to be, and who God wired us up to become. So the call for this whole series, particularly as we look ahead to Easter, about six weeks away, the call for this whole series is that all of us might sort of cultivate a deeper hunger for God. Whether you're a Christian, not a Christian, not sure what you call yourself, whether you're curious or just someone dragged you here this morning, there's an invitation to all of us to hunger for stronger things, the things that will make you more resilient, that will sustain you through all of life's ups and downs, and that will take these good things and put them in their proper place so that they bless you and bless those around you, not curse you because you're chasing after them with sort of a weird passion and an overly obsessive fixation on needing these things to survive. Now, one of the tensions that we're going to talk about throughout this whole series is this. Are we hungry for God? Are we hungry for God's gifts? Do we want God? Do we want God's stuff? Right? Bless, protect, keep watch, open the job, give me the money, uh, fix me, fix them. Especially, I like to pray fix them prayers a lot, right? Deal with that situation over here. Now listen, here, here's, what, here's how good God is. God knows that sometimes the, way, the place where we start is needing God to do something for us, right? That's where most of us start, asking God for stuff. And God is so kind. Here's how kind God is. God is so kind that even when he knows you're just using him to get his stuff, he still answers his prayers. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that generous? Even when God knows you're just using him. You don't actually want anything to do with him. You don't actually want to respect him. You don't actually want to worship him. You're not actually ready to devote your whole life to him. You're just asking God to do something for you because you think you need something for him that only he can do. And you know how much, that's how much God loves you. He's willing to say, he'll even accommodate that request. To hear that request. Even when you just want to use God, you don't even want to love him. But here's what the scriptures teach. What the scriptures teach is when the world is a hot mess. When God looks down on all the brokenness. What God gives us is not peace or love as if it's like a, a wrap in a package to hand it to us. What God gives us is himself. God himself is our peace. God is love. He doesn't just fix our problems. He says, I want to dwell in you. I want to I fill your heart, your mind, your spirit. I want you to dwell in me. I want to dwell in you. I want to fill you with all my peace, all my joy, all my comfort, all my character. I want to shape your character. And then I want to walk with you into your future. Because the greatest gift anyone can give is not something that they give you. It's the gift of themselves, right? That's the best gift you can give anyone. So what does it mean for us to have this dance? When we're going to ask God for stuff, and God's opened that conversation. He wants us to ask him for stuff. But how do we not stop there and long all the more for the good, good giver? That's the tension we're going to kind of wade into as we look at the story that Sean just beautifully read for us, right? The story out of 1 Samuel. So you got the story of a man named Elkanah, and he's got two wives, Penina and Hannah, right? Or Penina, Penina, potato, potato, however you want to say it. He's got these two wives, right? And, 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 and Penina has all the children, which is the sign of God's blessing. And culturally, that's what sort of is like the trophy for the wives in, in, the, in those days, right? Having babies. Hannah has no babies. And there's this sort of tension between the two of them, between these sort of two women and these two, and, and these two wives. Now, here, I want to do a quick aside because it's so fun to talk about Old Testament and multiple wives. Amen? Let's talk about that. Who doesn't want to talk about multiple wives, right? Listen, because for some of you, for some of you, it's like, like you see these stories, like it's so old, it's so dated. This is an excuse for you to not listen 
or to dismiss the wisdom of these stories, right? So let's talk about Old Testament and multiple wives because it's so much fun. Okay, here's a quick fast. It'll be a quick fast, and we can talk more about this over lunch if you'd like to get together and talk about it. First off, God never condones, endorses, or says, take multiple wives, right? He never says this, right, in the, in the entire Old Testament. So that's really important. Second thing, and this is deeply theological sophisticated, so take a deep breath, okay, because it's really, this is complicated. It's almost always a hot mess. That's a very theological form, right? The scripture is adamant that almost like every story with multiple wives, they tell the story about the families. Who knew that having two wives would be a mess? Who knew that that would cause tension and conflict and all kinds of dysfunction? Like, it is always a complete hot mess. And scripture is very honest that this is always a complete, total mess. And so, my friends, here, but here's the good news. Here's how good God is, right? The good news is this. God works through broken norms and broken cultures all the time. And the scripture records particularly how God will attend to the women who have very little agency or power in these situations. That is, like, God is, listen, culture doesn't have to be perfect for God to work in it. Families don't have to be perfect for God to work in it. He steps into brokenness all the time, which doesn't mean we just settle for brokenness. Of course, like we, it's better that sort of we don't have multiple wives as the norm around here, right? That's a, it's, a better, it's a better thing. It's a healthier thing. And yet God continues to sort of move and work even in this. So summarize it this way. Families in the Old Testament are not exemplary models. They're mostly massively dysfunctional. But they are examples of how good God is to work in spite of family dysfunction. And that's really good news for us, isn't it? Amen? Because none of us grew up in perfect families. Listen, Merry Christmas really early for those of you who know your family is a hot mess growing up. Your family does not have to be perfect or even perfectly good. Even functional. For God to say, you know what? I can work with that. If your family, if you, like, if you grew up and, and you, you, wanted, you wanted to have this beautiful family, perfect family, and then to your surprise, it's been a mess and marriage hasn't worked out and kids have gone off the rails and you just feel the weight of my family was broken and I wanted something so much better. Hey, good news. God steps into brokenness, functional families all the time. He says, listen, this is messy, there's going to be consequences, but I can work redemption even in the midst of this mess. That's how good God is. Elkanah's got these two wives. There's tension between them. There's conflict between them. Uh, uh, they kind of are at each other. And, and, and Hannah feels this deep level of shame and sadness over the fact that she doesn't have kids, which, again, is the, kind of the sign of God's kind of favor over women in those days. And, and Elkanah loves Hannah even more than, than Penina, which is all part of the conflict, right? all part of the tension and, and the whole thing. And, and Elkanah says one of the most classic guy things that can ever be said. This is, this is probably the most guy phrase in the entire scripture right here, okay? Elkanah, give him the trophy. He is the most classic male in the whole Bible with this phrase. Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? That's a classic guy thing to say. I hear that amen. Thank you. Total guy thing to say, right? But here's why this is important to highlight. Here's why this is important to highlight. There are hungers we have that people can't fill for us. There are hungers that we all have. That people, even family, even loving family, even kids, even money, even success. If you got all the Cheerios, Raisins, Goldfish that you wanted, if you got all the success, applause, approval, control, independence that you wanted, there are hungers that God has wired you up with that cannot be filled by people or stuff or career, or accomplishments, or independence, or money. There are hungers that we have that only God can satisfy. So Hannah and Elkanah and Padina, they're all trapped in this hot mess of a thing. And 
and her rival keeps provoking her. That's like this, the, the rival, the word rival is like used in this situation. And, and this goes on for year after year after year after year. And any of you who have battled infertility, this is just, this is one of those gut-wrenching stories, isn't it? So hard. And you're just hoping and waiting and praying. And she's praying year over year. I mean, dozens of prayers, maybe hundreds of prayers, maybe hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of prayers. She's praying for God to do something. And God's not fixing it. God's not solving it. And for some of you, you've been in that place, haven't you? You've been in that place, crying out to God to do something. That seems like it would be a good thing to do. That seems like God should want to do this. And man, God's not moving. And for some of us, it would be so, so hard to continue to press in or trust or hunger for God when God is a no-show in the places where it matters to us. I've got a really good friend who used to be all in on Jesus, and then he went through a series of setbacks over several years where things just kept not working out, kept not working, kept praying and praying and praying, and things kept not working out, kept not working out, kept not working out. And finally now at this point he would say, I don't believe in the God of the Bible. If God exists, he looks nothing like the God of the Bible because he doesn't respond to prayer. He doesn't intervene. Doesn't do anything for people that say that they love him. He says, we show up a lot more often than God shows up. Forget this. Any of you ever been there before? Any of you there now? Kind of maybe just going through the motions because you feel like God keeps not showing up. So why bother? If that's you, I'm so glad you're here. I've been sent here to tell you, and Hannah's been sent here to tell you with her story, that the God of the universe hasn't neglected you, hasn't abandoned you. That's why you're here today. And the scripture invites us into this tension that I wish wasn't there, but it's there. And it's, it won't go away if you're going to be a person who, of faith who wants to engage with God at all. Here's the, te- here's the biblical tension. One, there are times when God doesn't act when it seems clear to us that he couldn't and he should, right? Just no getting around that. Save this kid, help the situation. There are times when God does not act, but it seems clear and obvious to us, God could do this and he should do this. Like that's one reality. And then the other reality the scripture holds, and it doesn't resolve this tension, it's just true that God is always still good, always loving, and he calls us to press in and hunger for him anyway. And that's the tension that we're called to live into. That's the challenge of what it means to walk with Jesus. That's the challenge of what it means to hunger for God. And here's what we see in the scriptures again and again and again. When you have people who are going to God for answers and God doesn't show up, when they continue to press in, right? And sometimes it's a long lead time. Sometimes it's a long lag time. I wanted God to show up here. He didn't show up. I prayed and prayed and prayed. This didn't happen. I will continue to press in. I will continue to be hungry for God. I will continue to cultivate a hunger for God. For the people whose stories read, God no-showed here and I was disappointed, but I stayed and I stayed and I stayed. Their stories read a lot like Hannah's story, which reads something like this. As Hannah goes to the temple of the Lord, she prays this great prayer. Verse 10, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. No razor will ever be used on his head. I've had a, a bunch of conversations the last couple months with people who are dealing with really, really hard situations. And on top of the really hard circumstances, there's often the voices in their head. And the voices in their head are often full of guilt or shame, accusation. Sometimes they're angry. Sometimes they're just like in a rage. Uh, one guy emailed me a couple weeks ago. He's like, 
all the stuff going on in my life, and I feel so guilty, I can't even pray. If you want to get a pastor to clear his calendar, just say that, okay? I feel so much guilt, I can't even pray, right? So, like, these things, like, his situation was so hard, it was made worse by all the stuff going on in his heart and his head. And, And as I've talked to some of these people who are in really hard situations... Four or five people in a row. This has been a, a similar kind of story where, if I, when I, especially for someone I'm meeting for the first time, I ask them, hey, tell me your story. What was life like growing up as a kid? And over and over and over again, several stories, people saying something like this. When I was a kid, a parent abandoned me, left me. Or I felt alone, abandoned, forgotten, overlooked. And it doesn't take like a super trained therapist to say, if you grow up in a family where you felt abandoned, alone, forgotten, overlooked, it's going to affect things when your marriage goes sideways. Or when you felt abandoned, alone, forgotten, overlooked, when you, go to, when you grow up to be an adult, some people start, some people overachieve out of their pain. Pay attention to me. Look at me. Look how awesome I am. I'm achieving so much. Please, someone pay attention to me. Or, it doesn't take, or you can see why some people get chippy and say, forget people. I don't need them. Or you can see why some people just sort of tuck in behind a strong personality and say, I'll just sort of never find my voice. I'll just sort of hide behind someone else. When you feel alone, abandoned, or forgotten, or overlooked as a child with a parent, it can really mess you up. When you feel that way with God, it can also be equally difficult. Hannah feels forgotten by God, but she's continuing to press in again and again and again. She continues to pray, and she prays this really beautiful prayer that I want to highlight, because this word gets repeated again. She says, if you only look on your servant's misery and remember me. That phrase, God remembered or remember me, uh, comes up several times throughout the Old Testament, where God hears the cry of someone, and the scriptures say he remembered them. Not that God ever forgot them, but that sort of, it's a, uh, it's a preamble. To God's activity. God says, I hear you and I'm going to act. I'm going to pour grace, mercy, power, beauty, redemption into this mess to start to set you free. To redeem the mess. God, would you remember me? It's a pretty great prayer. It's a pretty great prayer. And if you're here this morning struggling to trust God. If you're here this morning struggling to feel like God has heard you or cares for you. I want to invite you to steal Hannah's prayer, like, not steal it, steal it, you know, it's like a commandment, don't steal, but to borrow Hannah's prayer and to ask him to remember you. Lord, look on blank and remember me. Lord, look at my situation at work. Lord, look at my situation in my marriage. Lord, look at my situation with my kids. Lord, look at my medical situation, my financial situation. Lord, would you look on my situation and remember me? Or maybe your situation, maybe you're here today and everything's fine. But there's people that you love who are hurting. Lord, would you look on my cousin, my aunt, my friend who's struggling? Would you remember them? It's a great prayer to pray that God might remember those people act on his love. Now, for some of you, your story is not so much that you need God to sort of look on your situation. For some of you, you've run away from God or you've drifted from God. You've been angry at God or maybe you've just sort of been ambivalent about God. And maybe your pregnancy looks something like this. Lord, look on my, look at my sin. Like I just said, forget you, God, I'm taking off. Look at my running away. Or look at my ambivalence. And would you, can we look at that together? Would you forgive me? Would you remember me? This morning, here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you a choice of prayers. I'm going to give you just a second to actually pray this prayer before the Lord, just silently to yourself. I want you to call to mind a situation that God might invite you to lift before him. That could be your situation. That could be a friend or family member situation. Lord, would you look on this situation and remember me or remember them? 
Or if you're here this morning and you're kind of a person who's run from God or been distant from God or uh, just been ambivalent about God, maybe you need a prayer, a, a, a prayer of confession. Lord, look at my running or my ambivalence towards you. Forgive me and remember me. Just take a beat to yourself and pray this prayer. Lord, would you look on Chad Community Church and remember us. Amen. 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 Now, one of the things that happens as Hannah prays this prayer is Eli, the priest, sees her. He thinks he's drunk. She's like, no, I'm not drunk. I'm just crying out in anguish to God. And Eli then blesses her with this beautiful blessing. He says, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant what you have asked of him. It's a beautiful prayer, a beautiful blessing. And after this, Hannah, who couldn't eat, was all, was all wrung out with grief and, and sadness and sorrow. It says this, that Hannah went away, she ate something, her face was no longer downcast. She was lightened by what just happened. Listen, God's given us two great gifts. One, we can pray to him, and two, we can bless each other. What a great gift. We can pray to God, we can bless each other. So here's what we just did. I invited y'all just a second, just now, to pray a God, would you remember the situation kind of a prayer. Here's what I want you to do now. If you're willing to do this, I want to invite you to do this. I want, to, I want you to put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you, and we're going to bless them. We're going to pray this blessing, this blessing okay? So we're going, to, we're going to read this out loud, and I want you to say it with confidence, with feeling. Uh, pray this blessing, okay? This is, this is the blessing we're going to pray, the same thing that Eli just prayed for Hannah. Ready? One, two, three, out loud. Go in peace, and may the God of Israel Grant you what you have asked of him. Amen. May we be a church that blesses each other. May that be our posture and who we are as a community. Now Hannah's prayer has this really interesting formula, right? The really interesting formula, her prayer of remembrance, is nested in this larger framework, which is this. If you will do X, then I will do Y. Ever prayed this before? Every teenager or 20-something who loves Jesus prayed this over a person they had a crush on. In high school or college. I prayed this prayer wrongly multiple times in high school and college for the wrong girl. Okay? Confession. There it is. If you only give me that person, I will serve you for the rest of my life. Right? So listen. There's a couple problems with the if-then prayer. The if-then formula. And one of the problems with the if-then formula is this. Sometimes it say, listen, God, if you'll come through for me in this way, then I will serve you. Then I will do what I should be doing anyway. <laughs> right? God, if you come, now even if you haven't prayed this prayer, this is how many of us operate. God, if you come through for me in these ways, then I'll serve you. Then I'll honor you. Then I'll worship you. My friends, here's what I want to invite us to do. I want to invite you to give this up for Lent. God, you don't have to do anything for me to believe you're good, to trust you, and for me to walk with you in the path of wisdom, love, and faithfulness all my days. Even if you know show for the rest of my life. And some of you have had a wedge between you and God. He's disappointed you in the past. And maybe for Lent, you need to say, I'm going to take away this wedge. No more if-thens. No more conditional. I believe you are who you say you are. I'm going to follow you no matter how you have or haven't shown up in the past. I trust you, and I want to cultivate a hunger for you. Hannah prays this if-then prayer. Now, one of the really, really cool things about God, again, who continues to be gracious, is this. Just like God doesn't need a perfect family to work through that family and do good things for this family, he also doesn't need you to pray perfect prayers. Amen? Isn't that great news? Good news. God always hears and sometimes grants wildly imperfect prayers. Right? Sometimes mean because God doesn't grant 
every prayer all the time, no matter what anyway, right? But God hears, and sometimes prayers, sometimes responds to and grants imperfect prayers. If God had to wait for us to pray perfect prayers, he would never act to do anything. This is where we start, it's where we stand, it's where we grow. Listen, it is better for you to pray foolish prayers than don't pray anything at all. Just keep praying. Keep asking. And of course, maturing in prayer, maturing relationship with God means we continue to grow in understanding what does it mean for us to hunger for God more than God's stuff. But you have to start somewhere. And God knows we're going to start somewhere. And sometimes it starts with an if-then prayer. And man, right here with Hannah, we see how God is so good, right? God is so good, so generous. He hears this if-then prayer. And here's what, Han- here's what happens. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah. The Lord remembered her. There's that word again. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant, gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, because, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. After many, many years and hundreds of prayers, the Lord hears this great prayer. Hannah prays this great prayer, remember me. Right, not a magic word, but a beautiful word. The Lord remembers her, and he moves and gives her gifts. My friends, if you're here this morning and feeling like God's forgotten about you, I'm here to tell you he hasn't. The Lord is a remembering God. He remembers you. If you were overlooked as a kid, cast aside, abandoned, forgotten, rejected, the Lord hasn't forgotten you. He remembers you. Today, he remembers you. If you're here today, you're drowning. Heartache, sorrow, sadness. The Lord hasn't forgotten you. He remembers you. Today, trust him. If you spent your life overachieving, conquering look at me look how great i am look what i'm doing someone please pay attention to me peace be still my friends the lord sees you he knows you he remembers you if you are jaded angry cynical kind of a jerk the lord remembers you the lord loves you you can put aside those things and be the man and woman god designed you to be if you don't feel like you have a voice if you don't feel like you matter, if you feel like you've been overlooked your whole life and you just kind of tuck in behind other people and hope they don't notice you too much, the Lord sees you and remembers you. He is for you. The Lord remembered Hannah. Now, in the story, she gets what she asked for, right? She wanted a baby. She gets a baby. It feels like just sort of one of those things where how, do we, how are we understanding her relationship with God and God's gifts when God gives her the thing that she wants? Well, of course, the, the turn is, well, is she going to actually follow through on the if-then prayer that she prayed? And that's exactly what she does. The baby's, after the baby's born, baby's weaned, she goes up, back up to the temple, the house of the Lord, and goes to Eli. And here's what she says to Eli. He says, Eli, I prayed for this child. The Lord granted me what I asked of him. So now I will give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord. See, here's the deal. Hannah got what she wanted, but she did not cling to what she got. Hannah got what she wanted, but she did not cling to what she got. Hannah was more devoted to God than to God's gifts. She was more devoted to God than to God's gifts. And this is part of the tension, part of the challenge of what does it mean for us to be people who want God more than God's stuff. Listen, here's the deal. God is so kind, he's going to give us good gifts, like all kinds of gifts. And part of what it means to hunger for God and cultivate a hunger for God is we recognize and celebrate how good God's gifts are. Listen, grace is everywhere. You're breathing. Merry Christmas. That's great news. You got food in the fridge. You got a roof over your house. Maybe you got a nice retirement fund. Maybe you got a car that runs. Like, you got a job. Listen. Grace, grace, grace everywhere. Give thanks for that. And you know what we say, thank you for this. My life is not built on this. Thank you for these gifts. 
My life is not all about my gifts. My, my life is about you and about who you are. And so the invitation is to give thanks for the gifts and to go to the giver again and again and again. Do this, do this for me. Do this for me. I want you to call to mind a few of your favorite things. These are a few of my favorite things. I won't sing it anymore. I promise. A few of your favorite things about your life. I want you to call those to mind. Your family, your kid, whatever. Whatever those things are, right? I want you to call to mind a few of those things. You got a few things? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want to invite you to sort of put a hand out. Just put a hand out, kind of palm up. Palm up. All right? I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Here's a prayer. Here's a prayer. And don't pray unless you're really wanting to, all right? These gifts are good. Thank you. I release them to you. You are better. Okay? That's what, that's what I'm inviting you to pray now together. We're going to pray this three times. Some of you might need the third time before you're ready to say it. Totally great. All right? But here's the prayer. We're going to pray together. When you, if you're ready, pray it out loud with me. These gifts are good. Thank you. I release them to you. You are better. Again, these gifts are good. Thank you. I release them to you. You are better. One more time. These gifts are good. Thank you. I release them to you. You are better. For some of you, that's, the, that's what you need to pray, like all this week. To continue to give thanks for God's gifts and press more deeply into the giver. That's what we see Hannah do as she has this great gift. As she holds it loosely before the Lord. She says, this is a great gift and I give it over to you. Because as good as God's gifts are, the best gift God could give is the gift of himself. And that's the invitation that we're called to press into as we're called to hunger for God. Today's Wildly Porn Take-Ups, a few highlights to kind of recap as we wrap up today. One, are we hungry for God or God's gifts? He is so great to know that we start with his gifts. I want to invite you to continue to press on into a hunger for the giver who is better than any of the gifts he could possibly give. Secondly, why should we hunger for God? It's a great question. Why should we even bother hungering for God? One, some things only God can redeem, like your family dysfunction. God is so good, he can redeem any family, including dysfunction. But it's not the only thing. God loves to write redemption stories. God remembers us. God always hears and sometimes grants imperfect prayers. And some hungers we have, God's wired us up for them. They just can't be filled any other way. Next, a couple prayers. Lord, look on blank and remember me. Or look on blank and remember them, remember us. Or Lord, look at my sin, my running away from you, my ambivalence about you. Here's my confession. You see it, I see it. Forgive me and remember me. My, that might be a prayer you need to camp out in here over the course of this week. Hannah got what she wanted, but she did not cling to what she got. She was more devoted to the Lord than to the Lord's gifts and the things he gave us. And then finally, that last prayer, these gifts are good. Thank you. I release them to you. You are better. My friends, we got Easter six weeks away. Part of the invitation of this whole series is that we might press in, that we might press in deeply, deeply, giving thanks for God's gifts, but all the more, even more, pressing into the one who gives good gifts, who is a source of all gifts. May he show up for you in this next week, in this next six weeks, to make your face shine more brightly, that you might be fully devoted, not just to his stuff, but to the God who is a joyful and generous giver. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your grace and mercy that chases us down. Thank you that you are so kind to us, that even when we just come to you for your stuff, yet you are still patient with us, yet you're so kind to us, yet you, even then, you meet us, hear our prayers, and sometimes give us the stuff we ask for. Lord, I pray for my friends who are here, who struggle with this, struggle with feeling forgotten, abandoned, overlooked. Would your, uh, in your kindness, would you speak words of grace and healing and love over them? Lord, I 
Pray for those of us who are praying for good gifts, places where we feel like you could and should show up and do something, and yet you're not. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be patient and resilient and continue to press in and hunger for you, even in the face of that disappointment. Lord, thank you for all the good gifts you've given to us. We lift them up to you. We release them to you. We hand them over to you. These gifts are good. Thank you. You are better. Help us to be people who cultivate a hunger for the good giver, the God of the universe who created us, who redeems us, who longs to bless us with all kinds of grace and mercy and mostly the gift of himself. Come Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to receive you that you might dwell in us, that we might be your people, your children, and you might be our God. We pray this in Jesus' strong and mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen.